Widgel of Opportunities, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 5, Learning Curve. Yay. Did you I remember bet. this one? In general, yes. I'm like, oh, this is the one with the really smart kids. And then as I was re-watching it, I could not help but thinking Rachel's going to have some things to say about this episode, <laughs> given <laughs> conversations we've had in past episodes. And I got to say, I'm probably going to agree with you on like every point that you make because yeah. the, the SGC does not look great in this episode. I got to no, say. There are so many plot holes. So, so many plot holes and things that don't make sense. I'm going to say this up front. I don't like Jack in this episode. Jack is a dick. He's a, yeah. not a good person in this episode at all. No. Yeah. No. Not at all. Mm-mm. Getting it out there. Don't no. like him. And mm-hmm. I did. I like. I don't know if I'm like just looking at things more critically because we're doing this podcast. So we're like analyzing things. But I'm like. We did not come off good this time. I like did not remember ever having that sort of feeling before when I watched this episode. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because you can kind of tell, like, what what they wanted people to think. Yeah. And now that we're watching this, we're like, no. No. No, Jack, you're, I'm sorry, Jack, you are wrong. You are yeah. very, very wrong. Yeah. About everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, shall we get into it and see what we actually have to say? Let's do. Okay. This episode originally aired on July 23rd, 1999. It was written by Heather E. Ash and directed by Martin Wood. And in this episode, SG-1 discovers a planet where children are used to acquire knowledge for the entire population and then discarded. Mm, Yes. So this episode starts in the gate room of an alien planet where the gate is actually like red. Which is interesting because interesting. gates are all made out of the same material and that material is not red. So, but I was also wondering, maybe it looks like they're like excavating it. So maybe it like got buried and it's just sort of like dust. Like there's like reddish rocks on that planet that had sort of quote unquote died the gate because it had gotten buried or something maybe. Oh, that's possible. It was interesting. I like it. It looks like they were almost in a museum. They did, yeah. They're definitely, I think, in like a temple of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they're doing this. So and so and so yeah, so there is some kind of like archaeological excavation happening with Daniel, who's wearing his bandana, which is my preferred Daniel. So shut up, Bree. And <laughs> uh, and he's working with a bunch of children who are he explains that they're apprentices to the adults and these these children are known as Arone. That's their sort of the, the, the name of this group of children is Arone. And then the gate lights up and Jack and Tilk come through and Daniel is really hoping that Hammond has approved what seems to be a request for Daniel to stay and continue his work because he's found this bright slit with an image of Chal Chiutliqui, the Aztec goddess of water. And Jack is very happy to report that Hammond has said yes to Daniel's request. <laughs> Would you like some fun facts about the Aztec goddess of water? <gasps> Would I ever? Okay. Chalchiutlique. Uh, her name. Say that again. What is it? Chalchiutlique. Again. Chalchiutlique. Okay, now we're done. Okay. Uh, her name means she of the jade skirt and is the goddess of like collected water so rivers and oceans and ponds and things but not rain that's a different god who is either her brother or husband as many god and goddess relationships go right in In probably both possibly um she's also the patroness of navigation and the protector of childbirth and newborns she is said to reside in the mountains and lets water out when it's needed because, like, Aztecs believed all rivers came from the mountains. She is also often associated with serpents, as many Aztec water deities are. Hmm. The main sort of creation myth for her is that she's responsible for the destruction of the previous world, which is known as the Fourth Sun. So the Aztecs believed in the legend of the five suns and that before the current world, which is the fifth sun, was created, the gods and goddesses made four attempts to create a perfect world and then destroyed them each in turn, like with a specific god associated with each 
sun, as they called it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fourth sun was a world of water where there was an abundance of like fantastical fish species. And after 676 years, apparently it's very precise, uh, she destroyed this world and turned all of the humans into fish. Oh. Yes. I wonder what the, what the, final thing was where she was just like no this this one isn't working I, I could not find that it was just after this time she was like i'm done <laughs> destroyed humans so it's like all the um, episodes of the of the bad place <laughs> yeah like no yeah no done snap over mm-hmm. so the this next fact kind of plays into something later which i makes me question and confuses me a lot based on my knowledge of certain things um, so in the mid 19th century, archaeologists unearthed a 20 ton monolithic sculpture depicting a water goddess that is believed to be the inspiration for Chalchaliutlique from underneath the pyramid of the moon in Teotihuacan. More on that in a little bit. And the sculpture was excavated from the plaza forecourt of the Pyramid of the Moon and then relocated in 1889 to its present location in the Museo Nazionale di Antropologia. See, there, there you go. Nice. The Aztec water goddess, which if this is supposed to be an Aztec civilization, these people don't look like they're related to the Aztecs at all in any way. True. They, they, these people do not look Mesoamerican in ancestry. Which is a little weird. That is true. Yeah. Um, but anyway, continuing on. Uh, so an older gentleman whose name is Kalen then comes into the gate room with Marin, who is a young girl. And the SGC has worked out some kind of exchange with these people where Tilk is going to stay and teach them about the Gould. And Kalen and Marin are going to head to Earth with a Naquita generator for us to study so we can possibly make something like that of our own. And, um, harmless enough. Yes. So, fun fact: Kaylin did not get spell checked in Word when I was like typing up my notes. So I decided, as I do, to look up the name <laughs> meaning. Uh, I love how that's the biggest clue where you're like, hmm, that's it, something. I'm gonna look that up. This doesn't get spell checked. This must mean something. So it is apparently a name of Gallic origin and means slender or fair. Oh, both of those are true. Yes. Aww. So in the SGC, we get Sam and Hammond like walking towards the gate room. And Sam is apparently very impressed with the level of technology of the Orbanian people. It's not quite up to like Gould standards, but they're not far off. So they're apparently more advanced than we are, at least at this point, which is interesting to know. And so they then meet up with Jack, Kaylin, and Marin as they come through the gate and they present the Aquita generator to Sam and she can study it for the length of their exchange and they will now return to Orba. Uh, what, I, I, but someone needs to like teach Sam about the generator and how it works and all of that stuff. And teach is apparently not a word that they have on Orban. So, Sam explains what that means, and Kaylin does not have the knowledge or, like, the information that Sam is looking for, but Marin does, so she will stay and teach Sam. As so here's my opening. plot hole number one. Yes. Is, given what we eventually know about things, that the the kids have, um, are the apprentices, as they said, so they study, the, then they give their, the population learning and teaching so how in the world is it when she says when sam says you know someone needs to stay behind and like teach me about this do, do they get all confused like what what does this teach um i'm because wondering i'm sure they have a weird method of passing along knowledge but they pass yeah. along the knowledge after these kids have learned a specific thing right I'm wondering, because we do get some strange alien terminology later during the teaching, I'm wondering if they just don't use that word, teach. I mean, I hope that's what it is. Uh, Yeah. Because it it seems like it was kind of a goof in the the plot line for me, where where they were supposed to emphasize the fact that they get knowledge, like, literally, rather than yeah through practice that it was supposed to be the first you know thing that was supposed to make you go hmm these people are weird mm-hmm. but 
like then it just ended up that no they do teach and learn each other things yeah I don't understand okay that was my first plot hole okay I mean it is a very good plot hole Mm -hmm. yes yeah yeah Okay, so we come back from the opening credits, and Jack, Simon, and Hammond are with Marin, and they're taking her to the lab, but first there'll be a quick stop-off at the infirmary, and they're like, no need to worry, everything's fine. She's like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. You, of course you have to screen people for pathogens. So this little girl's already smarter than most of the people at the SGC, yeah. as, we, as we've come to see over mm-hmm. the past year. Um, She's Jack actually smarter of, than the SGC. She, I mean, she is kind <laughs> of at this point. Um <laughs> Jack then tries to, like, make conversation and comments how she's, like, a reactor expert and asks how old she is, and she's 11, and she's like, how old are you? And Jack's like, so you're a reactor expert. Cool. <laughs> uh, back on Orban, Daniel is working on excavating a mosaic that surrounds the DHD when Kalen brings his son Tomin to see Tilk, and Tilk will please, please tell Tomin about the Gould. And Daniel then asks after a girl that was helping him earlier named Zarin. And Kaylin says that it was past her time to experience her avarium. And Daniel's like, is that like a graduation? Sure. Yeah, that works. Yep. Mm-hmm. Graduation. Yep. So Kaylin does know what graduation is. Yeah. It's like, what words do they understand and do they not? Bottle number two. <laughs> um. Kaylin then offers to escort Daniel to see the Pyramid of the Suns, and Tilk will remain there with Tomin. Tomin, again, was another name that did not get spell-checked in Word. Mm. Um, I, however, could not find what it means as a name. I was able to find that it's mostly a surname that's of Slavic origin. No idea what it means. But apparently, Tomin is also an antiquated Spanish unit of weight and currency and is the equivalent to one-eighth of a peso, both in currency and weight. So however much one-eighth of a peso weighs is a tomen in weight, and also the value is one, is a tomen, is one-eighth value. Um, and it's apparently derived from the Arabic term tomen, T-O-M-N, which means one-eighth. Alrighty. And there you go. So... Daniel and Kaylin go off and Tillman just kind of stares at Tilk for a bit before commenting that Daniel had told them that Tilk was once a warrior of the ghoul. And Tilk is like, indeed I was. And Tillman's like, I think I understand why the ghoul was so feared. (laughs) I I was like, okay, that's cute. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the SGC infirmary, Dr. Frazier is taking some blood from Aaron and Sam's there with her too. And Dr. Frazier's like, you're very brave, which I know it seemed a little condescending. It's like, she's 11, not five. Yeah. A little bit. Like Also, she seemed, like, intelligent enough to know what was happening and why. Yeah. It's like, I get, you know, probably kind of stings a little bit, but, like, yeah. And then Jack comes back in to check on things, and we kind of start to get little pieces of information that things work a little differently on Orban than they do on Earth, which alien civilization, not totally uh, unreality. Um but they also, they apparently do not have anything that fits the concept of school as we would like know it and describe it. And Marin seems kind of confused that Sam and Janet were not always as smart as they are now at this age that they are. And then also, since Jack is not a scientist, he's not as smart as Sam and Janet are. <laughs> and he's like, hey, but oh, oh yeah, okay, fine. But sure. yeah. Not, I mean, like, hey, but also, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, but hey, he Sam, loves it. Sam's face was hilarious in this because she was, was like, mm, yes. Don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. <laughs> uh, and he's like, but, you know, while they were in school, I was off having fun. You do have fun, right? And Marin has no idea what fun is. And he's like, all right, whatever, off, go with Sam, get out here, go do what you came to do. So then in the Orbanian gate room, Tilk is explaining like his symbiote to Tomin and what it is and what it does and what will happen when the symbiote reaches maturity. And Tomin thinks it's very unfortunate that Tilk could die if he's not able to get a new symbiote when this one matures and like has to be removed from his pouch. True. Yes. All of it. So. Mm-hmm. So 
Kaylin and Daniel then come back in and Daniel is very excited about what he's discovered on this planet. And he thinks Kaylin's people may be descendants of the people of Teotihuacan. And Kaylin tells Daniel to tell Toman this information. And he also thinks it may be possible that the arrival of the Gould is what caused the city's downfall. So there's a, there is a little goof here in that Daniel says Teotihuacan was in South America, but it's actually in modern day Mexico, like northeast of like Mexico City. So that would actually be North America, mm. not South America. Yeah. Uh, so would you like some fun facts about Teotihuacan? No. No? Oh. I just always want to say that every now and then. Sure. <laughs> okay. I wish, so in college I took a class on archaeoastronomy. For we had this this in January was sort of between like the first and second semesters we had this period called J term where it was like one month one class very usually sort of specialized subject kind of thing and Teotihuacan yeah. was one of the sites we studied and I wish I still had my notebook on it because it was really cool stuff in there I can't find it and I'm had to rely on like Wikipedia and Google and a whole bunch of other like Mesoamerican history websites but oh. yeah. But yeah, Teotihuacan's cool. Um, Say it again? Yeah. Huh? Say it again? Teotihuacan. Okay. Daniel says Teotihuacan. It's not. It's Teotihuacan. Ah, okay. That much. Yeah. Um, So Teotihuacan was located northeast of present-day Mexico City, and it's arranged in a grid layout that covers about eight square miles. It contains around 2,000 single-story apartment compounds, as well as various pyramids, plazas, temples, and palaces of, like, the nobility and priests. The first settlements in the area date back to 600 BCE, and the major growth, though, of the city happened between 1 and 350 AD. And during this time period is when the Pyramid of the Sun and the Pyramid of the Moon were constructed, which are the two major pyramids in that region. And at this time, there was also a shift in political power from the Temple of Quetzalcoatl to the Street of the Dead complex. And so some scholars believe this also reflected a change in the political system from one of like a singular monarchical kind of power system to one of a more bureaucratic leaning, so more actually people doing things rather than just one guy in charge of everything. Um, The classical period of Teotihuacan lasted from 350 to 650 AD when the population reached at least 125,000 and at the time was among the largest cities in the ancient world. And during this time, many older structures were actually like remodeled, quote unquote, like uh, the one of the uh, examples I found was like the Temple of Quetzalcoatl, was covered in new artistic sculptural design. So like they went back and were like, this needs to be fancier. We will make it more fancy. So they did. <laughs> Which is like kind fancy. Of, yes. Um, so the decline of Teotihuacan happened from 650 to 750 AD. We don't know exactly why or like what happened specifically, but archeologists have discovered burn marks on many of the elite housing compounds that surrounded the Street of the Dead. So originally it was thought that the city was burned by like outside invaders. However, after more excavation, only the only structures that showed evidence of burning were like the palaces and temples and places that were associated with the ruling class. So there's now new theories that suggest it was actually like an internal uprising of some kind that like brought down the power structure. Mm. And during this time, there was also a decline in like tribal relations and an increase in social stratifications and power struggles between everybody. And then it just kind of fell away. And like there were still kind of people there, but not really. So the thing that confuses me about this is that Teotihuacan predates the Aztecs in that region by like several hundred years. Like the Aztecs didn't move into the area of where Teotihuacan was until 1300. AD. So why is there an Aztec god, goddess, but they're from Teotihuacan? Like those two things don't line up. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, does it? At all. So I'm confused about are they Aztec or are they Teotihuacan? Because they can't you be know the same. What, You know what I have kind of started to wonder is interesting. The more and more they introduce the different ghouls that have personified 
whatever is I still I'm not quite grasping if like because originally you know it was supposed to be the Gould came to earth and the Egyptians already had like these beliefs and myths and whatever in place and they were like yeah I'll do that and so they decided to like personify them to appear to be their gods and they would worship them and all this stuff and whatever so the more and more they go on talking about these like different gods from different areas are they still supposed to be just taking these legends and pretending to be those legends or are now these legends supposed to be based on the gould that is a very good question because they're kind of starting to flip it like whenever daniel talks about our history it's almost where he's talking in the context of about this character that we now know to be a Gould. That's very true. Yeah. Huh. I don't when know. When the whole, you know, thing is supposed yeah. to be that, like, they're false gods. They take right. what you already believe and pretend to be that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That is a very yeah, good yeah. question. And I've quite just a significant notice that they do that. Yeah. 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 Anyway. It's my thought yeah. for the day. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's it's like what you're saying of like these things are not matching up. No. So yeah. I don't know. Teotihuacan or Aztec. Pick one, because it can't be both. Yep. <laughs> um anyway, so back in the SGC in the lab, Marin is trying to explain to Sam how their Naquita reactor works and is using terminology that Sam is obviously not familiar with. And we get this one word, um, Fodner a lot. And Sam is just, like, completely lost. She is, like, not understanding Marin at all. And Marin Marin says something. She's like, when did we talk about the heating element? Like, what, what is happening? Sam has, like, no clue what's going on. So she's like, all right, let's take a step back. Let's, like, break this thing down. And, okay, so, okay, the casing. What's the casing made out of? And Marin just kind of looks at her and then starts to explain, like, the internal workings again. And she, it seems like, like she just... Like a textbook is starting over. Yeah. She, like, apparently what the gazing is made out of is not something she knows. And so it's like, okay, hold on. Well, like, we'll, we'll get back to the internal workings. So the casing would have to block out radiation, which means we'll make it lead-lined. Okay. Cool. That, see, that was easy. That was fine. Even if you don't know, we can, you know, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. So Dr. Frazier then comes in and asks to see Marin for some follow-up tests. And there's kind of a look between her and Sam of like, hey, something's a little weird here. And they're like, it's fine. Let's just go back to the infirmary and well, it'll be, it'll be okay. Yay, Tess. Yay. Um, fine. So cut to the briefing room where Dr. Frazier has discovered something rather concerning. And there's a bunch of like really weird minerals in her blood. But also Marin has nanites. Which we've encountered before with not good results. We don't and No, there's like, there's a few in her blood, but there's like millions of them in her brain. Millions. So they're like, oh crap, this, like locked on the base is, you know, we can't have this. And so they head back to the infirmary to probably continue testing Marin. And they're talking about, you know, the nanites and everything. And she overhears this. She's like, oh no, my nanoprocessors are totally fine. They like... They won't harm you at all. And so here we start to learn more about what's like going on on Orban. And apparently the nanites that are in Marin were created with Orbanian technology 49 years ago. And each child is given millions of nanites at birth to act as additional synapses in the brain to help them learn the vast, am- the vast amounts of knowledge that they require. Each Orbanian citizen then receives a nanite after every avarium and something happens, which we will learn in a little bit. And they're like, okay, so they're supposed to be there. She's like, yeah, it's totally fine. She's like, and then Dr. Frazier's like, but there were some in your blood. And then Marin goes, oh, well, if one stops working, like the brain sort of like kicks it out so it can get absorbed into the blood. She's like, apologizes for any concern. And she understands if they want to send her back to Orban. That won't be necessary as long as she's not any active threat to the SGC. 
Sam's like, she's, she can say it's fine. And Hammond's like, okay, I still want like blood samples from people though, just to make sure <laughs> these nanites aren't escaping. So here's my next plot hole question yes. is she said that it was developed 49 years ago yes. in the grand scheme of things. That is not very long to like no, develop not. an entire culture and traditions around what they're doing. So yeah, like what? So it still makes no sense that they have no idea about like teaching and learning in classes. I know. I was like, did did nobody teach or which I think again just makes me think harder that they just don't have those words. They just call it something else. Yeah, because just. There's there's no way that like 50 years ago they were just like oh magic knowledge will do that and yeah. have become as advanced as they did that just makes no sense no it doesn't um so we get a quick cut back to Orban with Toman telling Kaylin that he wants to undergo the Avarium right now even though it's apparently too soon for him he's very concerned about what Tilk has told him of the Gould and wants to put the knowledge that he's learned about defensive technologies to use so that they can be prepared if the Gould should return to Orban, and Kaylin is very proud of Toman. How do they go mm. about giving everybody just one? That's a lot of people. Yeah. I don't, like, again, is the entire population of Orban within, like, a 10-mile radius of the gate? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? So many questions. Yes. So back in Sam's lab, Marin thinks Sam might also study botany because she has plants. And Sam's like, no, they're just for decoration. And she then looks at like the preliminary sort of model, mock-up model that Sam has made of the Naquita reactor. And it looks nothing like the one that Marin brought with them. And Sam's like, it's fine. This is just because of the tools and things that I had to work with. So this is what it looks like. And Sam then asks Marin if she can draw the inside of her reactor, the one that they brought from Orban. And Marin just goes, what's draw? So Sam explains what drawing is by drawing a simple stick figure of herself. And Marin just kind of looks at the stick figure, then looks at Sam and then looks back at the stick figure. And Sam's like, I, I, yeah, I know. It's not an exact perfect replica. It's just a representation. And that's all she needs from Marin. Just like a rough approximation of what the reactor looks like inside. Marin seems to kind of get what Sam's asking for, but says she needs bigger paper. So Sam gets her some and she gets to draw. Very technically. Yes. Uh, in the Orbanian gate room, part of this, like the, the stone that was covering the mosaic, uh, Daniel has found on like the bottom of it, what looks to be a Jaffa. So the Gould have been here. If only they knew why they left. Hmm. Mm. Mm. And when? And when? Yes, and when? Mm, so many questions. Mm -hmm. So Kalen then comes into the gate room and introduces Tilk to Solon. He asks Tilk to tell Solon how about how to fight the Gould, and like Kalen seems very agitated. Like, oh my God! Like he needs like information urgently, like right now. And Tilk requests that Tomin be brought back to continue the conversation they were having as Tomin has already learned about the Gould. And Daniel's like, yeah, why can't we bring Tomin? It would certainly be easier to just continue teaching with Tomin. And Kaylin insists that Tomin has given them his knowledge and it's not possible for him to return as he has gone through the Avarium. There's that word again. So Daniel and Tilk exchange a look like something's not quite on the up Normal. and up here. Yeah. So Tilk then requests to see Tomin immediately. And another name check here, Solon, is also not spell checked. <laughs> so, uh, this is a name of Swedish origin that means the light. Oh, interesting. Which soul. Very you know. diverse names in this one. Yes, we've got Swedish, Gaelic, and Slavic, but also Spanish. Yeah. All right. Yes. So in Sam's lab, Jack comes in and sees Marin standing on a chair trying to get something from a cabinet. And Jack helps her down and she says she just needs more paper. Okay, well, why didn't she just ask Sam? Well, because Sam has fallen asleep on her desk right there. So Jack goes to wake her up. Major Carter! Which is, yeah. Uh, yeah, so she's like, oh, well, hi, sorry for falling asleep. And looks at the drawings Marin has made and they're... Very detailed, very precise, very technical. Sam's very impressed. 
And Marin explains that since she couldn't really show the interior in a three-dimensional way, since this is just flat pieces of paper, she basically drew cross-sections. So Sam is like, oh, that's great. You continue drawing cross-sections and I can scan all of them and then we'll have a 3D model. So she just needs some more paper to finish it up. And Jack insists that they need to rest. And Marin's like, "We're, f I'm fine. We don't need a lot of sleep on our bond. And Sam's like, I'm really jealous of that fact right now. Um, but okay, fine. Sam, Sam, you sleep. Jack will go get Marin some paper. Um, but she needs some more pencils too. Thanks. Yep. Okay, bye. Yeah. Yep. So Kaylin has taken Tilk and Daniel to see Toman and Toman is just sitting on a bunk bed and he's not really like paying attention to Tilk or Daniel and like doesn't seem to recognize them. So, okay, Kaylin staring blankly off into yeah. wherever. Yeah. Uh, Kaylin, can, can you explain what exactly this avarium thing is, please? Like right now, because this doesn't look good. So. The avarium is the process by which all of the nanites in an Arone child's brain are removed and every non-Arone citizen, both adults and children, receive one of the nanites with all of the information that the Arone child has learned. So when Kalen said that Toman gave them his knowledge, he meant it literally. Like they literally extracted the information from Toman's brain and put it in everybody else's brain. Distributed accordingly. Yes. So... This greatly concerns Tilk and Daniel, and Daniel especially because Kalen, from his point of view, it seems to be like Kalen is abandoning his son. And Daniel's like, do you ever come play with Toman? And again, he's like, what's play? He's like, you know, just being with him and teaching him new things, which Kalen seems to think refers to like the nanites because he's like, no, they can't have more nanites. And he's, Daniel's like, no, like teach, you know, like we're trying to do with Marin. And Kaylin still has no idea what that means again. And yeah. Tilk and Daniel no. again exchange a very concerned look because they don't like how this looks to them. And Kaylin's like, "This don't worry about it. These children are very well cared for. Like, they're fine. And Daniel's like, but that's your son. And Kaylin just points to his head and goes, my son is here now. So, yeah, they do some things a little interestingly on mm -hmm. Orban. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that they had really explained, like, kind of expanded on a little bit of how many of these children go through this, how many people, you know, we really just don't get the scale. Yeah. Because from our point of view, it's like, this is what they do to all the children. But we, we don't know. Um, I mean, there, Kaylin does say later, like, when his child was selected to be an Arone. It was like the yeah. greatest day of his life. So it doesn't seem to be like every child, but like a select few or yeah. I, I don't know how many is few. But yeah, I do wish like, is it like one percent two per, like could we get like a percentage or something? Yeah, would yeah. be helpful, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tilk has returned to the SGC and is telling Jack Hammond and Dr. Frazier what like they've learned about the ovarium and what happens to the children on Orban. And as far as Toman's mental state, Dr. Frazier speculates that if the nanites prevent normal synapses from being developed as the children grow, then removing the nanites would return the children to an infant-like state. And yes, this is what will happen to Marin when she returns. And Jack is like, well, then maybe she just won't go back. And it's like, well, you, we can't do that, Jack. That's not going to happen. It's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Okay. You know what? They also don't ever explain, like, okay, so they basically have to start over, but they don't explain, I guess because in the other planet they don't really bother with it, but they don't ever explain if these kids then can learn to be functional people. Well, it seems they can at the end. I mean, yes, we'd like to think so. Yes. Okay, so if we have to send her back, maybe we could ask them not to, like, take out her nanites. And Tuck's like, that's not going to, they're not going to go for that. No, <laughs> because they mm -hmm. don't think what they're doing is wrong. So Jack's like, well, we'll make them understand that it is wrong. And Hammond's like, okay, yeah. before we do that, Tilk, go back. We'll try some kind of diplomatic relations before risking, risking an interplanetary incident. So uh, the diplomatic approach goes just as well as you think it might in that it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Kaylin is extremely offended at what the FGC is asking and orders Marin to be returned immediately. 
Yeah. Which I'm 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 on Kaylin's side right now, honestly. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack and Sam are trying to get Marin to like reject the avarium and say she wants to stay, and she does not. She considers being chosen for the avarium a great honor. And Hammond and Tilk then arrive and tell Jack that trying to convince the Orbanians to not do this that has failed. Daniel has stayed behind to try and convince them some more, but it's not looking good. And so Hammond's going to give Daniel 48 hours. Well, I I don't know. Uh, And then they have to send Marin back. So Marin's going to stay on Earth for a little bit longer, but she does not want to. She wants to go back right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, So Kaylin starts dialing Earth for more bonds. He can go get Marin himself when Daniel mentions the iris. And if he doesn't send the coat, he'll die. So Kaylin kind of motions Salen forward and asks Daniel to explain about the iris. And Daniel's like, I will explain it, but only to Kaylin. And Kaylin then demands that Daniel either explain it to Solon or enter the iris code. And Daniel won't do either. And Kaylin then basically delivers the thesis of the episode here, I think. He says, you claim to love knowledge. Yet when you find something you don't like, you demand that we change to please you. He is not wrong. He is not wrong. I not thoroughly wrong. enjoyed that like, because it's so, yes, it was absolutely correct. Yes. So Daniel insists, like, he's not asking this to please him, but he just thinks that there's a better way for the Urbanians to be educated. It's like, the Avarium is the best way, according to them. And he's like, even at the cost of your son. And this is where Cameron's like, the happiest day of my life was when Toman was chosen to be your own. And they've never thought otherwise. Like, Toman thought that, too, when he... I was old enough to understand what was happening. And okay, so what if Marin does think differently? And Kaylin's like, she won't. She wouldn't. She's the only one of the Orbanians with any knowledge of the reactors and how they work. And she has spent 10 years learning this. If she doesn't undergo the Avarium, then those who are waiting for her knowledge will have to wait 12 more years. Janet's like, well, I didn't know that. And he's and Kaylin's just like, well, Marin does. So, and again, Caitlin dropping some more truth bombs where it is you, Dr. Jackson, who are misguided to think you can, you can convince her otherwise. Interesting. You know what I also, I like more questions though, is Mm -hmm. what are the people doing in the meantime that are waiting for her knowledge? Yeah. I I would not imagine they'd just be like sitting around like, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a rocket scientist now. Yay. Cause I'm going to wait for you to learn it. And then you give it to me. I yeah, it's like that doesn't really make sense. Has Marin just been like locked in a lab by herself with all this stuff, and she figured it out on her own, or I don't know, because they introduced them as like apprentices out learning yeah. stuff. So I don't, I don't understand. It's no, hard. because like Marin, Marin has to get her information from somewhere. Yeah. So where did that come from? I know it's very weird. And why it and if they have made a working aqua generator, what what are what are they waiting for? Where they have knowledge come from. Yeah. They yeah, they have the knowledge. They've built a working aqua generator. Like what else what what else are they waiting for from Aaron? I don't know. Unless it was really her locked in a room by herself, which seems a colossal waste of time and resources. But that, it also doesn't make sense that, like, they would lock her in a room and be like, figure this thing out. That doesn't. Yeah. Like, what's 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 the starting point for the your own learning process, if you will? I don't know. It makes sense if that is, to them, the best way that they have figured out to distribute a high level of knowledge to everybody. Which could make sense, right? So then everybody yeah. could basically be like a genius on whatever subject. Yeah. It's, you know, which, you know, would make it actually sound like a viable option. It does yes. not make sense if it sounds like people, like their knowledge is stunted and put on hold until this person can learn this thing and give them the knowledge. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work from how he explained it. Yeah, the general the general concept is interesting. I think they've focused it in a way that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think they just probably didn't think that one through. <laughs> no. 
Which, is, yeah. as we're finding, seems to happen a lot. It does seem to happen a lot. I love the show, but they kind of need to think about I things know. a little they more. probably did not anticipate that years and years later, people would be picking every single yeah. little piece. <laughs> every <laughs> single little piece of their artwork apart. Podcasts weren't a thing back then. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. No. It's all good. We did, This is all in fun. We love it the is, show. It's all in fun and love. Yes. Okay, so at the SGC, Sam can't get the mock-up of the generator that she's made to work. And it looks like it's complete, but it just, it won't run. It won't turn on, nothing's happening. So an airman then shows Marin into the lab, and she asks Sam to tell Hammond to let her go back home. And Sam, again, tries to convince her not to go through with the avarium, because, like, she's only 11. And as Sam says, half the interesting things in my life didn't happen until I turned 15. And Rain just goes, what things? Uh, um, thing, things and stuff, stuff, stuff and things, and 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 boys and stuff. Talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, which speaking of, go watch Turning Red if you haven't. Very good movie. Um, Aww. yes. Um, so Marin wishes she could give Sam one of her nanites so that Sam would understand like what this whole thing means, or like the avarium and the learning and passing on her knowledge and all of that. So. Marin then, like, focuses on the reactor, and Sam tells her the, sh- the issue she's having with it, how, like, the current's not actually making it to the core where, like, the power source is, and Marin tries to just tell Sam what's wrong, and then, like, tries to fix it, but Sam just interrupts and finally figures it out herself, and it involves reversing the polarity, is all good sci-fi things do, which I finally had to Google, what does reversing the polarity mean? Because it comes up all the time in every little sci-fi thing. And so basically what, so it has to do with wiring, like electrical wiring, as it seems makes sense. But it's basically when you have a socket wired the wrong way around, like the, the hot wire is on the neutral side and the neutral wire is on the hot side. Mm-hmm. And it's actually uh, the, reversing the doing doing that is actually a very bad thing. Like it, that's the <gasps> thing that like streams. Can, yeah, it like can burn like houses down and stuff. Like it's not it's not good. Don't reverse the polarity. Like just don't do it. It's bad. <laughs> actually. <laughs> so. Um, Could that be yeah. the memo for today? Don't reverse the polarity. Don't reverse the polarity. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly, yeah. Um, so anyway, so that fixed it. And Marion, Marin, Marion, Marin is curious as to why Sam didn't just let Marin tell her what was wrong. And Sam's like, well, where's the fun in that? Which, I mean, yeah, true. Fun? I mean, some, maybe not sciencey things, but other things, you know, for me personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jack heads to Hammond's office where Daniel and Kaylin are waiting and Kaylin is there to take Marin home and Hammond has granted his request. Jack objects very, very strongly to this thing that they don't deserve their children. And Hammond's like, oh, no, you did not. No. And so Jack just requests permission to be excused and leaves before actually receiving it. Which my question about this scene is why was Jack even involved in this whole conversation? Like, I don't even know. Jack has no authority over Galen's request at all. Like or anything. No. He doesn't. So I was I like, have oh. a, I'm starting to wonder and have a question of like, as often as Jack's character just kind of goes, whatever, this is wrong. I'm going to do whatever I want. How in the world did he get to his rank? I mean, it's By, like never following good. orders ever. I'm wondering if because he was retired, you know, before the whole Stargate program started. So I wonder if, you know, before he was, you know, maybe a little wink wink nudge nudge but sort of post abydos became a little more like fuck it whatever i'm gonna do what i want and it was just like that kind of changed his attitude a little bit maybe i don't know i mean if you're career military it's kind of ingrained yeah yeah but there's also like the highly there's also like the highly secretive nature of the whole sgc Mm -hmm. that it's not quite your normal command structure you know environment if you will, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But yeah, but he I agree. Does it all the time where he's he just does. like, whatever, I'm going to do what I want. Orders yeah. be damned. Like, yeah. Not how military people operate. <laughs> it's really not. Especially career military. No. no. 
So back in the lab, Sam and Marin are getting the reactor set up for a test run, and it works! And it Yay. also happens to set off a bunch of alarms and everything, but it works, so yay. Uh, Jack comes into the lab just in time for the phone to ring and for Sam to assure who seems to be Hammond on the other end. That, like, everything's fine, nothing, not the dead. base isn't burning down, we're not dead, everything's cool. So Jack beckons Marin to, like, follow him, and Sam's, like, kind of waves them off. And uh, turns out he's not taking her where we hope he's taking her. He's actually taking her to the surface because, you know, he says, you know, you came here to learn, right? So there's something I want to show you. And, no, he doesn't have permission to do what he's doing. So, yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jack, at it again. Yep. You silly uh, thing. <laughs> Hammond then just asks Sam to, like, let him know the next time she tests anything with the word reactor in its name just so they can be prepared, <laughs> which I was like, I, yeah, 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 Sam, a little heads up probably would have been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Sam lets him know that Jack left with Marin and Hammond's like, oh, crap. So he calls up to the to what I'm assuming is like the gate personnel to tell them that if Jack leaves, like not uh, to not let him go, but it's all right, he's already gone. Too late. So it turns out that Jack has taken Marin to a school. And this is actually the same school that Cassandra was at when she first started going to school. And he seems to be on friendly terms with the teacher and a lot of the students. And he asks the kids to show Marin how to play and then goes talk to Mrs. Struble. And he asks if she has room for one more student this afternoon. She's from out of town. It's like, what does Mrs. Does Mrs. Trubel know? Like, was she let in on this, like, maybe on the side? Does she have clearance? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think she does, but I'm like, did they tell her? Like, does she know? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but he could have just out, been like, she's been homeschooled. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it turns out, so right after recess, they have art classes, and Jack's like, great, perfect. So, time for art class, and Mrs. Jubal asks the kids to paint something that they love, and everyone gets right to work, and Marin kind of thinks for a bit and kind of looks at the supplies and the paint and the brushes and the paper, and she does start drawing something, and it turns out she's painting the neck with a reactor. And Jack comes to look at it, and she's like, I don't have a small enough brush to paint the wires. And Jack's just like, okay, we can't have you drawing this kind of thing. People are going to ask questions. And is also like, okay, but, like, no machines. Draw, like, draw something you love, not machines. Draw the flowers in Sam's office. And so Marin starts to draw them, like, very small in the corner. He's like, no, bigger. So she kind of gets to work and we come back and there's some leaves. And she's like, I don't have purple. The flowers in Sam's office were purple. And Jack's like, well, then make them red. And she's like, but the flowers were purple. And Jack doesn't care. It doesn't have to be an exact replica. Just draw some flowers. Just draw all, like, all the flowers. Draw, draw them a whole garden. So, you know, the problem that I have with the scene is that it's supposed to be getting her to have the freedom to do what she wants and then he just ends up telling her what to do i know exactly it's like she's still just doing what somebody told her to do yeah she he doesn't like the whole scene is supposed to be about her freeing herself and doing her own mind's you know happiness but he just ends up being like do what i want you to do yes yeah it's still it's very bad i I left a bad taste no yeah Mm mm-hmm so once the class is done, Marin shows Jack her picture, and it's covered in, like, flowers and a stick figure representation of Sam. And Marin asks if it's right, and Jack's like, it's way more than right. And Marin's like, I still have to go back. I still have, a like, a duty and a purpose to my people. My knowledge is important for them. You promised we'd go back. So... Marin is, like, the most mature person in this episode, and it's really kind of scary. She is. <laughs> So we're back at the SGC and apparently the test on the generator used up the small amount of Nequita that they have, but not to worry about. They'll get more. And we enter the control room where Jack is there waiting and he's like, don't worry, I'm not going to cause any trouble. He just gives Marin a box of crayons and it's like the big box of Crayola crayons. If you had that box of crayons in school, every child was jealous of you. You probably had like the sharpener in the back too, which is always cool. Um, 
So, and then Sam. It always got stuck after like one crayon. Oh yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, so Sam takes her to the gate room and Hammond's, Hammond is like, done with Jack. He's like, I have enough to have you court-martialed. And he's like, well, I got to show Marin how to be a kid for a few hours and he doesn't regret it. It's like, screw you, Jack. Like, no. no. I'm sorry. No. He was not right. No, he was not. So, in the gate room, Sam gives Kaylin the reactor back and Marin gives him the crayons, too, to carry. And before they leave, they kind of do this salute thing to the members of the SGC that are gathered. And Marin says, on behalf of the citizens of Orban, I'd like to thank you for the experience you have given me and my people. I have learned much in my time here. Which Yay. was very nice. Yeah. Still the most mature person in the room. <laughs> it really, she really is. <laughs> um, sometime later, the SGC has received contact from Orban and Kaylin has asked SG1 to return like right away. And I couldn't help but notice as, like, SG-1 came into the control room to, like, I guess Hammond called them there, like, Daniel's jacket short thing was, like, half hanging off, like, he, like, just pulled it on, (laughs) which happens a lot. He's always slightly disheveled. I don't know. It's... Yeah. It's a weird thing. Anyway. I think there's some... They're still trying to stick with the scientist so buried in his work he doesn't bother to look nice. Yeah, like he, he got warm, so he took it off, and he's not really a soldier, so he just kind of shrugged it on and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so once they reach Orban, Kaylin, like, runs into the gate room, and he's, like, all excited and smiling and happy, and he's like, everything's fantastic, come look, come look. All the kids are laughing and playing and having fun, and this all happened after Marin completed the Avarium, because this is part of what she learned, how to have fun and be a kid. And Kaylin tells them that the Iran children will now be taught in, quote unquote, the old fashioned way, as we might call it, after they complete the avarium. And he also drew them a picture to express his gratitude. And it's a stick figure of not not Sam, it's him. It's, it's, it's him. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack then goes over to say hi to Marin, who's like scribbling on the wall with her crayons. And she uh, does not recognize him at all. And so he joins in in drawing her, but she just like scribbles it out. And he's like, oh, obviously it's wrong. So Jack decides to then tell her about her, his favorite kind of people, dogs. The end. So is it, is it supposed to be like after the kids completely vary him, like they're completely wiped of all knowledge whatsoever? It be, it seems to be, yes. Like there's blank slates of 11 year old people. Yes, which my question is, why couldn't they keep one nanite? Like, couldn't they leave, like, one in there to give them, like, something? Basic something. Yeah, that's true. Why do they have to take every... Why do they take... Yeah. Everything. Why do they have to take everything? Yeah. Because the Fraser says her brain is filled with millions of nanites. And as we've seen, populations on, like, ghoul-populated planets are usually not millions of people so like the 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 own children couldn't keep like one or two nanites yeah and and when they hand them out to people they give everybody just one which is enough yeah. to spread knowledge yeah that's a really good point why can't they keep some enough to not be like silly vegetable children yeah hmm. so other plot hole yeah how many did we name like four i i lost count <laughs> This episode was weird. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Because, like, I was watching it earlier, and my son was like, who's the bad guy? I'm like, there's, oh. there's, not, there's not a bad guy in this episode. <laughs> bad guy you know, Jack usually, in this episode, really. I mean, Jack's kind of the bad guy. But there's not, but there's not, this isn't the traditional sort of fighting an enemy kind of mm-hmm. episode. Which I, I think is interesting, and I like that we get these kind of episodes every now and then. But this one, I think, just, like, missed the mark. By quite a bit. Yeah, the ones that are supposed to be like, who's right? No one's right. <laughs> or, you know, even just, you know. <laughs> yes. Cool culture, study, what's happening kind of thing. I don't know. But, yeah. So, uh, so what, what do you got for memos <laughs> this week? Don't do things that would get you court-martialed just because you feel like it. <laughs> I think I gotta start thinking about these beforehand now that you're actually writing them down. <laughs> I know. Well, it's but the spontaneity is where it's at. <laughs> Not Rachel. Give it oh. to me. 
Yeah, I like I like don't do things that'll get you court martialed just because you feel like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Earthway is not the only way. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um. Um. I like the tip of alert people when you're going to be playing with something oh. that has the name reactor in it. Reactor. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Anything else? Don't kidnap children. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kidnap children. I mean, does that even need to be a memo? Apparently it does. Apparently it does. Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, I think, I think just the only thing that, like, when I watch this episode, I finish it, and I'm just like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which... my closing for the episode. Yeah, which, so it's just, to get into the, sort of, the title a little bit, like, learning curve, I think that's supposed to set us up to think that the Orbanian people have to learn something. Mm-hmm. which they don't <laughs> like we're the ones who have to learn yes like it's it's like the SGC and like earth people that need to learn mm-hmm. from this experience mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah yeah um no interesting foreign territory titles this week so oh, they're, they're all, all they're all just like learning yeah curve. yeah they're all just being learning. like learning stuff whatever the teacher yeah, yeah. so Who's the mm. teacher now? <laughs> okay. Anything else? Yeah. I just I just have so many questions. <laughs> I know. Like what it what does the rest of society do when the kids are, you know, doing their learning thing? Like like guess- it's not that everybody can go through this thing. Everybody has to, you know, grow up and have a job and whatever. Yeah. How it's not like they can have kids for every single activity. Well, not not everybody is given the nanites when they're born. So there is a large portion of the population that grows up like quote unquote normal humans do, like we would on Earth, where they're taught things the organic way. Yeah. If so you how is will. it they don't know about schools and learning and kids and play? I'm really just hoping they just don't use those words. Because <laughs> otherwise, oh, like... So many questions! How would they know how to farm or, like, irrigation, agriculture, just how to grow food and get like, water and make things and weave, weave cloth for clothes? I know. And they're not, like, test tube babies, right? So they do no. know about love and families and, yeah. you know, romance and, like, how, how does that not... How does that not go into, like, fun? Yeah. I don't know. Do you think it would be better if this started like 349 years ago or something? Like if it started a way long time ago, so there were more generations for the the process of learning to sort of deteriorate, if you will, like, would that make this episode quote unquote better? I think yes, because the fact that they just said it was like 50 years ago, like, yeah, no, it's like, that's just like a generation. Yeah. Which is not a lot of time. Yeah. Nah. Okay. Plot mm-hmm. hole. Yeah. My my main thing is just Aztec or Teotihuacan. Just pick one. Put that in the memos. <laughs> Aztec or Teotihuacan. Wakanda? No. How about Tenochtitlan? That's a fun one to say. Oh, holy crap. That was another site we studied in archaeoastronomy. That was a really interesting class. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We like got to say like Stonehenge and like all that stuff. So. Stonehenge and Woodhenge and yes. Brickhenge. Other henges. So archaeoastronomy yeah. so is like the study of like archaeology and stuff and how civilizations built things in relation to stars. And like why they may have done that and stuff. I didn't even know that was a specialty of learning, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. See, yep. you could have given someone your nanite. I know. And I wish I had my thing still because oh. like there was stuff in Teotihuacan where like certain stars like rose at and the Now point you're just saying Teotihuacan just because you can. <laughs> it's just Teotihuacan. It's not that hard. You're just, now you're just saying it because you can say it. Teotihuacan. 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 
Uh, that needs to be your internet password now. TOT look on. Yes. Well, now it can't be because everybody's going to know. This is a podcast, Rachel. <laughs> People listen to this. People are going to go specifically looking for your Wi-Fi now. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, like, there are structures in TOT Wakan where, where certain start. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> But yeah, but like certain stars and constellations would like rise and set over pyramids at certain times of year and stuff at like, you know, the equinoxes and things. And I wish I still had my notes on what was what, because I had all that information and I don't have it anymore. Aww, too bad. Okay. Yeah. I think that's all I got. All right. That's all I got too. You good? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo, W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Point of View. Bye. Bye.